Welcome to episode 105 of the City on Podcast, She Works His Way, with me, Angie Bauman, and my guests today, Michelle Myers and Summer Phoebus. Michelle and Summer are close friends who have combined over 30 years of experience in secular business, online ministry, and the local church to create the community She Works His Way. Together, they gently and consistently remind women who work that while culture tells us to measure our work by our level of skill, God says to measure our work by the level of his love we show through our work. I love that during the interview, Michelle let me in on the verse that drives their work. It's Matthew 6, and it says, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. The Greek word forgiven means to add, to join, to gather with. Right before this verse, Jesus is reminding his disciples not to worry about worldly things, what we eat, what we drink, what we wear, or in the context of work, and I'm stepping on my own toes here a bit, he calls us not to worry about the production or the recognition or the promotion, but instead to focus first and only on him and watch how he gathers us to him, joins us with him in kingdom work, and brings beautiful, wonderful things into our lives. This interview hit home with me, as so many of them do, and I think whatever form your work takes, you will hear the voice of the Lord calling you to seek and return to Him alone. Let's listen in. Hello, friend, and welcome to this Steady On podcast episode. I'm Angie Bauman, and with me today are two women who are friends and ministry leaders together, Michelle Myers and Summer Phoebus. Ladies, welcome to the Steady On community. Hi. Thank you. So good to have you both here. And Michelle and Summer have a new book, fairly new book out called She Works His Way, which is also the name of the ministry. They work together to ask the question, help answer the question, ask and help answer, I think, right? How can I glorify God? honor my family and serve others at work. And I just love ladies, the subtitle to this book, it says a practical guide for doing what matters most in a get things done world. And I said, before we pressed record that I think I'm one of your people. And that is because I get so caught up in the productivity sometimes Mm -hmm. and they get things done. I'm a list maker and I'm a list checker offer, (laughs) and I can get so focused on the work that I can lose sight, I guess, right, of the reason for the work or the Mm -hmm. calling in the work or even the margin that I need to have in the work so that I can refresh and renew and be re-inspired in the work. And so, yeah, so I just love this. I'm grateful for this conversation. So Michelle, I'm going to pose this to you first. So it's a ministry. It's a book for women who work, Mm -hmm. right? but I'm guessing you don't define that just as women who work for a paycheck because <laughs> there's been a lot of years I worked and didn't make any money. I don't make very much even now. Right. Um, so how do you define the working women that you're seeking to encourage through this? So work is anything a believer does that is submitted for the glory of God and the good of others. And so it does not matter if there's a paycheck, you can be full-time, you can be part-time, you can be in traditional ministry, you can be in secular business, you can be right there in your home, you can be out in the world. Like work is anything that you do and you say, God, use this to draw people to you, to let people see you and to allow me to benefit the people that are here for their good. And so parenting, like that absolutely falls underneath this umbrella. Like 
I've never met a mom that doesn't work. (laughs) Never met one that doesn't work. And so we just, you got to zoom out and give it more purpose than just the task. Cause it's always bigger than just the task. I love that you say that. And I think no matter what our work, I I have found, um, discouragement or the possibility to be discouraged in some of the like tasks that are part of work, no matter what work I was doing, you know, when I worked professionally before I had kids, as I've worked in ministry for almost well, 17 is my 18th year in ministry. Now, as I folded laundry, as I did, you know, those things, as I changed another diaper in those seasons, in different seasons, I think there are ways to minimize our work and miss the overall calling or the overall fruit, I guess, that our work can bear. I don't know what summer I'm going to pose this to you. What kind of challenges do you think? And then maybe Michelle too, you can respond to it. What kind of challenges do we face in believing that our work is valuable and that it's a calling and that it has purpose? Mm. The challenge is living in the culture that is today and them telling you the world telling you that your worth is quantified by your productivity yes, or that your value is quantified by your title. And <laughs> all of those things we listen to and we listen to and we listen to, and they can start like that messaging starts as a young child yes. in a school or in your first job or whatever it is. So you have to not necessarily unlearn those things. You have to accept them, but understand that that is culture's view of it. And then you have to dismiss that view and you have to say, what does God say about this? Mm -hmm. And what God says about this is that my identity is in him and I am valuable because of him. And it's not just what he said, it's what he did that proves that. The fact that he sent Jesus to die on the cross for me shows me that there is value in me, that it was worth, my life was worth saving. My sin was worth dying for. And so when that conversation is what you meditate on and you think about, it's easy for you to sit back and go, okay, in everything I do, in every step I take, in every um, job, activity, work thing, calendar event, it is being done for the glory of God because he saw value in putting me in this place. This is my ministry. This is my opportunity to serve him. And then the world just watches that. And then when they see you unbothered by the fact that you're not worried about their schedule, their titles, their paycheck, they that is the biggest view of God that I think as believers we forget that people get to see when we're not bothered by all of those identities that the world tries to hand us. And we rest in the one identity, the only identity that matters, the Mm -hmm. only identity that really truly is who we are as a believer, as a child of God. When we rest in that, there's a confidence there that we don't have to manifest. We don't have to manufacture. It just overflows out of us and the world sees it. And they're like, what in the world is up with this girl? And we get to say, Jesus, Yeah. Yeah. Michelle, you're nodding so much as summer is talking. What, what does that stir in you? What she's saying? I think it's just so important to remember that when Jesus was asked, what is the most important commandment in all of the law? He simplified it and said, love the Lord, your God with all your heart, soul, and strength, and also love your neighbor as yourself. And so just the reminder that God's callings and assignments that he gives, they often come in people form, not in tasks and not in projects. And so if you are a person that is in contact with people, 
whether that is the people that are in your home, the people that have the cubicle next to you, or a lot of people that report to you as a supervisor. It's important to see that God has given you a seat of influence that he has not given anybody else. And so to see the people around you as the primary assignments, and then to allow the task to happen as a byproduct, but to see the person that's there as the point, I think that changes everything. Amen. Yes. All yes to all that. And I, you're, you're just put, you're really stepping on my toes. So back <laughs> off No, I just, uh, but it's, it's funny that you say that about the people, because I, that's a red flag for me when I am, when I get anxious or impatient with my people, because they need my time and I'm too busy. I feel like that's one of the ways that the Lord sort of calls me back into a refocus of what's most important. Because as you Mm -hmm. said, like my ministry involves tasks. I have things to do in my ministry, but ultimately if my people in this home, or if the friendships that I have, like my primary people, if I don't have time for that, then something has, at least for me, has gotten out of step, out of balance, something like that. And so it's really, I can feel the emotion as you're talking about that, because I know how true that is for me, you know, as someone who I do stay busy, I do take pride in my work and I do sometimes put it before my relationships. And I hate that. I hate Mm -hmm. that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Summer, I'm going to send this back to you. How can the great commission help us view our workplace as a mission field, whatever our work or whatever our workplace is, right? Yeah, yeah. So um, I'm going to take a little bit of what Michelle just said. We have really two general calls in our life as believers that we see scripture give us. And one is what she just shared to love God and to love people. And the other is the great commission, as you're talking about, that is in Matthew 28, and it is to go and make disciples. And if you really study that, you'll see that what that actually means is as you go make disciples, meaning that in your everyday life, when you go to the coffee shop, when you go to school, when you go to work, when you go home, when you go to bed, as you're going, you are making disciples. So it is intentional, yes, but is also an active part of a believer's life. So if you go to work, if you go to the marketplace, if you go to, uh, if you have a ministry job and you're walking into a church building every single day, you are making disciples of the people that are around you. You are looking around you, you are opening up your eyes and you are having gospel-centered conversations that point people back to Jesus. That's what it is to make a disciple. That's what it is to be a light in a place that is dark. And this world is dark. I mean, Mm -hmm. it is, it is so dark and you often like people like to get really philosophical about being a light in a dark world and kind of over explaining what that actually is. If anybody wonders what that actually looks like, just like turn off all the lights in your house and then turn them on. Mm -hmm. That's what it is. It is that simple that visual picture, that is who we are. If you've ever had a child who's scared of the dark and they're crying in the room and they're like, I'm scared. Maybe their nightlight went out in the middle of the night and you open the door and you walk in and you're that source of light. You turn something and the comfort that comes to that person, to that little person in your life, that's who we are to the world. We should come in and we should shine a light. We should, we should get rid of the darkness because we walk in and Jesus is so powerful and so visually, um, you don't see him, but you feel him, sense him, you understand him when he comes into a room. That's a believer needs to be that. A believer is a conduit for that. Mm -hmm. So I, I just think 
in a workplace, when you go in and you love God and you love people, so you're selfless, <laughs> mm-hmm. you don't see that a lot in the workplace. Yeah. When everybody else is more important than your promotion or um, you getting credit for the idea, when everybody else becomes more important, holy moly, that mm-hmm. speaks volumes. And when I say that speaks volumes, I'm not saying actual audible volumes because nobody else might see it. It speaks volumes about who you are as a person. Someone, even if they don't say it out loud that they see it, they're going to take notice of the way that you love people. And in a workplace, it is the easiest place to go in because the workplace doesn't expect you to love them. So when you go in and show up and love them, it's shocking. It's absolutely shocking. And being countercultural is the way we show people Jesus. The world doesn't expect us to love them. And so when we show up and love them, it's shocking is what you just said, right? Yeah. Shocking. Yes. That's amazing. I, I love that. I love that statement. Michelle, I'm wondering if you have a response to what Summer is saying in that I'm going to put you on the spot just a little bit, like a practical, either a story from your book or something you've experienced where someone was the light they put, they shocked people by loving them mm-hmm. and kind of the, the effect that that had. Does anything come to mind for you when I asked that question? I, I think a practical tip came to mind that yeah. I, that I could share. Please think thinking through like what I would call mission trip mentality. And so just think about if you grew up in the church, what happened when somebody went on a mission trip, we brought them down front, we commissioned them, we prayed for them. We gave them the supplies that they needed to meet the needs where they were going. We studied where they were going to be so that we knew how that we could go into that area and we could serve like What if you took a mission trip mentality into your workplace? Mm. What if instead of showing up to do a job, you said, my primary reason why I'm here, because I'm a believer in this space, in this time, is to be his witness right now to the coworkers and to the clients that are going to come into this place. And so I'm going to ask my gospel community to pray for me. I'm going to go into my workplace prayed up begging God to interrupt me from what I'm doing, to open my eyes, to see the needs that are around me. And instead of just showing up, not wanting to be there, you know, not really thinking about intentionality on your commute or during your lunch break, or even looking your coworkers in the eye, like what if we just completely changed our mindset What if we asked people when we saw that there were needs that were bigger than we knew that we could meet? What if we got our gospel community that we have involved and we brought that into our workplace and said, Hey, listen, I, I know that your car broke down and I I was really burdened for that. And I shared that with my small group and here's the money to pay for it. Like, what would that do? Like shocking, talk, right? Yes. Shocking. Yeah. It would shock like, them. <laughs> it would shock people. It would shock people. And so I just think that we have to show up in the ordinary to recognize, like Summer was talking about, that as you go doesn't mean that we only prepare for a handful of weeks out of our year. It means that we need to be prayed up, especially into the places that we walk into with consistency, where building those relationships is natural just because of proximity. Hey friend, I'm cutting in right here to ask you a couple of questions. Do you ever have a heart that is heavy? Do you ever connect with words like ashamed, heartbroken, insignificant, afraid, lonely? Of course you do, because we all experience those emotions from time to time. 
Susie Crosby is my friend, and she is the co-host of the Bible Talk bonus episodes that drop about once a month here on the podcast. And she and I have joined together to produce a podcast mini-series called Covered, Promises of Hope for Your Heavy Heart. Within each episode of this mini-series, we will dive deep into one of those words that I just rattled off. And we'll use personal stories, Bible stories, and God's promises from scripture to cover you with his merciful hope for whatever situation you are facing. In addition to those five episodes, you'll also find in the mini series two bonus episodes. Those will be with our ministry friend, Haley Wood. And Haley will share her story of abuse and trauma and loss and wandering and how she learned and is learning to stand firm on the promises of God that help her take steady steps forward. The link to claim this mini-series is in today's show notes, and when you subscribe, all the episodes will appear in the podcast directory of your choice. Thank you for listening. Now, back to our show. Building the relationships is natural because of proximity. I like that. Yeah, it's like that. that's our mission place, and, and one of the things with mission to me that like is, uh, sometimes it's frustrating to me is sometimes we go on a mission trip without really understanding the need. And so what I hear you saying, right. Is spend the time that it takes to really understand the need so that you can shock them with Mm -hmm. a response to the need. Sometimes I'm going to make summer talk for a second. Yes. Talk about earning the right. It's like one of my favorite things that she talks about. Yes. (laughs) I love, I love the idea of making disciples and I love the idea of evangelism. But I believe that in a world that is somewhat violent with each other, in a world where we just assume things about each other, depending on the label that we put on each other, that when you go in to share the love of Jesus, one of the best ways to do it is to earn the right to speak that truth into someone's life. Meaning that that person, before you ever verbalize the gospel, they trust you to share the gospel because they know you care more about them than you care about anything else. Now, there are times where it is of urgent need for you to share the gospel and to evangelize in that way. And I, I think that's wonderful and I'm all for it. However, what Michelle was just talking about, the proximity of these people that you have to go and see every single day, the gift is the opportunity to show them how much you love and care about them so that when you do share Jesus with them, there's credibility, there's trust. They want, they know you, what you want for them is they're good. And so earning the right is one of the best evangelism strategies that I think we often miss. And it mm-hmm. makes sense yeah. because we're busy yeah. and it's hard and it yes. takes time to earn the right, yeah. but to earn the right, it disarms people. It loves people the way Jesus loved people, which is, I mean, I don't know that anyone could argue he wasn't an excellent evangelist, right? right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> when you're tight, it makes me think of, I'm dating myself a little bit, but I used to be a big uh, Rachel Ray fan when she was on Food Network and she would grate, often when she was doing a recipe, she would grate some nutmeg in there and she would say, it's the thing that makes them go, hmm, what's in there? And mm-hmm. I, the, when I would watch every time mm-hmm. I would feel like there was a gospel message in that for me, like uh, make sure. your life, you know, whatever it is, live your life in such a way they're like, hmm, what is that in there? you know, and then when the opportunity arises, which it will at some point, 
you can say, you can testify from your own experience, not even like to be like, you need to do this, but I'm like, well, I'll tell you the thing that's in there, right. That makes me be able to approach this situation differently or have patience with this person that no one else at the workplace seems to have patience with. I don't know. And, um, and it's, it's this thing, you know, it's this thing, Jesus Christ that's in me. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. 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 Let's talk about balance. I'm going to pose this to Michelle first, because I know, um, I want to know your perspective on like work-life balance. Cause I think a balance is something that's thrown around a lot as, as if it is this goal that we're supposed yeah. to have this balance. Right. But, um, you write the balance is a myth and I want to know what your thoughts about that are, because, um, if it's not balance that we need, what mm-hmm. is it Michelle first? Yeah. I want to make sure that we don't get lost in semantics. Sure. I, I'm not, when we say balance, we're not saying that we don't want you to have multiple facets of your life, but we are natural complicators by nature. I'm raised, I am the worst of all complicators. <laughs> okay. I am the worst. So speaking from a complicator, let me tell you one thing that will simplify at least now it's not easy to live out but it will simplify if you will do it with repetition. So Matthew 6, 33 is an anchor verse that we come back to over and over and over again here, which simply tells us seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added unto you. So we're told to put God first and I'm going to even confess how we complicated this as a ministry when she works his way first started with our best of intentions. What we tried to say was God first family second and your work third. And yes, should that be how it goes for sure. But the deal is you don't have to try to make things second or third or 16th or 75th or 432nd, as long as God is first, because he says, put me first seek me first, seek my righteousness first. And then I do all the things. So he orders, he balances. You don't have to figure out how to put everything in its direct spot at the right amount of time with the right amount of whatever. You just have to say, God, I want to make you first with every second of my life, with every inch of my energy. And he will make you the wife that he needs you to be. He will make you the mom that he needs you to be. He'll make you the employer and the employee that he needs you to be, the friend that he needs you to be, the church member that he needs you to be. He will do all of those things as long as you are seeking him and putting him first. And so if you are constantly trying to make everything balanced or fair or stop, stop. Yeah. Because as soon as we start trying to put second things, second and third things first, then first things slip. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And what you're talking about, the word that comes to mind is trust. Do I trust you with my 432 other things? Right. And I only focus on putting you first in the reality, a lot of times for me anyway. And I think for most of us is no, um, I'm going to try to keep my hand first in several things because you might tell me to let go of something I don't want to, or you might mm-hmm. tell me it's time to set that aside or delay or say no, or, you know, those kind of things that, um, will come up as we really cling to him. But my experience has been the more I desire him first, the more that his, I trust his guidance. Mm-hmm. I trust his leadership. I, I trust that if he asks me to let something go, it's still for my good, even That's though right. it might not, it might be the last thing I expected. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So yeah, I think that's a big trust issue. Summer, anything you want to add to that about balance and what, what Michelle I, was saying? I don't think 
I don't think I can add a thing to that. Both of you covered it because the part that you, you just mentioned was the desire. Yeah. As long as you desire them for that's huge. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And how do you desire something? Yeah. You yeah. love it most. Mm-hmm. So I'm just the woman who just heard what Michelle said and was like, yes, sign me up for that, please. That's what I want. <laughs> I want him to be first, but she's like, wait, how? Yeah. Oh, focus on falling in love with God. Yeah. Yes. And then yeah. you will desire him above everything else. And he will naturally be first. It's the, mm-hmm. the, the Psalm 37, four, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart comes to my yes. mind because as I've matured in him, one of the things that I realized is that the things that I desire don't always match the things that he, he desires for me. But as I take delight in him, as I love him, as I seek him first, as you're saying, the things he desires for me become the thing I desire for that you desire for yourself. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, and, but that's been a learning process for me because, you know, it just, it, it seems like some of those things that he's trimming, removing, or even just like not opening doors. Right. I'm like, wait yeah. a second. <laughs> and then you realize, oh my goodness, you know, with a little bit of time and maturity, you realize that that is not even, I didn't even want this that you're, I didn't even know I wanted this that you've brought me, but yet you've created something of my life that I didn't even dream for myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. We it's with good intentions always. Yes. We grow up or fall in love with Jesus and we say, okay, I I'm going to do all of the things I'm supposed to do. And so then it's the do, 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 do. And we forget the love, love him love him. And then when you love him, well, you do what you're supposed to do. You desire what you're supposed to desire. Balance happens. He goes first. And I just, I don't think believers are, we struggle with the love because we, it's easier to look at the checklist and mark things off. It's hard to check off love God most. It's easy to check off quiet time, Mm -hmm. went to church, served in the nursery, it's so hard to just check off. I spent time loving God today. But then we get so tired. <laughs> Exhausted. With, yeah. Trying Exhausted. to do good things for him. We get so mm-hmm. tired trying to do good things for him because we're not actually in the delight place, the seek mm-hmm. place. Right. right? Yes. Yeah. Right. It, and that's the place that fills us up. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Matthew 6, 33, seek first, but I'm going to ask maybe Michelle first, summer second. Is there that, is that a theme verse for your ministry do you both kind of say yeah that's your theme but how about like for this project or for the ministry it can just be that one that one's fine but is there anything else that comes to mind that you're like oh this is one especially in this season of my life I'm clinging to pretty tight Michelle do you have a, a verse like that for you yeah we have two that I think Excellent. guide the overall vision and ministry of what we do it. She works his way. And one of them is a phrase that is in acts 15 41. And it's talking about Paul's missionary journey. And it talks about how he went around traveling and strengthening the churches. And we wholeheartedly believe that the local church is God's plan a for gospel community. And we are always doing our best to do everything that we can to point people back to their local church because we recognize as a largely virtual community as she works his way, that there are limits that we have that the local church doesn't largely that the unity that we experience in that gospel community cannot be seen because we're spread out geographically. And so unity is how the world will know and how the world will see that we are his disciples. And so in order for that unity to really matter and count for the gospel, it needs to be able to be seen by others, which is 
hard to do in a virtual space, much easier to do in a local church proximity. And so we want and hope and pray that everything that we do here in this space goes back and strengthens as many local churches as are represented by the women that God has gathered here in this virtual space. I love that. And I just, I, I feel led to say for the one listening who don't get, I love virtual church. I'm happy that we've had technology that has helped us stay connected during this time, but whatever form it takes friend, don't give up on meeting together, coming together, working together, serving together, whatever that looks like for you. Don't give up on that. Um, because virtual church is great, but there's something that happens in community that like you're saying, just, it, it's not, it, it can't happen there the same way it can. The Holy spirit is the Holy spirit, but I believe he desires for us to not give up meeting together as it says. Right. Yeah. Yep. Summer, how about you? Do you have a verse, uh, another, uh, anything yeah. else that you cling to? You set me right up for that one because uh-huh. the verse Excellent. that I have comes right before the verse that you were just talking about. So Hebrews 10, 24, I always say when I need to tell people like, who I am in so many words, I'm like, I'm a stir. And that's what we want. She works his way to be. We stir each other up to good works. So it's really easy to get caught up into important works or busy works or productive works or financially responsible works. Mm. But this is what scripture saying here, stirring each other up to good works is so important. And that's a need we see in our community. And we see because it's being talked about in um, reference to a church, a body of believers here in Hebrews, let us stir each other up to good works. It starts in a local church in a really beautiful way. So it kind of reinforces the strengthening the churches, Mm -hmm. but it also reminds us that we're here to encourage one another in whatever, in whatever way that we can. And just reminding you that being encouraging means to put courage in someone else. I think we look at that and we think it's like a, it's not petting. It's not petting. No, no. (laughs) I think the Greek word, if I remember, I've studied that before. I think the Greek word means to agitate even like, it's like, yeah, I think one of the versions says spur each other on. Is that right? Yeah. 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 I think I'm in the right place there. Yeah. So it's almost kind of like, it's like competitive, but only for the best of things, right? It's yes. only for like the good. Yeah. So stir each other up, agitate each other so that we're in, like competing to outdo each other with good works almost. Like, yeah. It's mm-hmm. uncomfortable to stay where you are. We yes. can make each other uncomfortable to stay where yeah. you are. Yeah. And yes. not by poking, but by doing your own good. I mean, you know, by, by the delighting the, in the Lord, the way that I am, hopefully yeah. encourages you, stirs you to delight in the world. Lord, the way yeah. he calls you to mm-hmm. or yeah, I love my that. needs mm, reveal yes. your gift. Yes. Right. Ooh, that's good too. Yes. How do we mm-hmm. see each other's needs? Okay. Let's meet each other needs. Okay. That's stirring each other up to good work. So yeah. it goes both ways. Yeah. And just the picture of stir in general, you don't have to stir if there's just one ingredient. Mm -hmm. And so seeing how stirring just that analogy, it all goes back to how we all work together. It's not a handful of people utilizing their gifts. It is recognizing that everybody has been given something to do for the Lord Mm -hmm. and we come together and just stir Mm -hmm. it. I, th- why do we struggle with that so much? It's just a side thought I have because like over and over in scripture, and there's so many illustrations of how things are better when different pe- pieces come together and puzzles and recipes and all the ways that we can like illustrate those things in the body of Christ that we read about. And yet 
I think we still struggle so much to believe in our own gift and the value of it, and also to believe in the, con the contribution of others and how those individual pieces make something so, I think it's pride, a lot of it's pride, right? But um, yeah, that's just, I think that's a tough, uh, a tough belief, a tough foundation for us to buy into sometimes. We say we do, but then we struggle to do it. Yeah. Yeah. That was the foundation. That's the, that's the issue there. That's mm -hmm. what happens. Mm -hmm. Our foundation is faulty when we are looking more at the gift or the task or the um, whatever it is that we're doing yeah. and not the God that we're doing it for yeah. or the people that we're showing up to serve. Yeah. It's just a matter of taking your eyes off of whatever the thing is and putting it on the yeah. who. Yes. Right. That's what yes. matters. Yes. Putting it on the who. Yeah. Yeah. We have a chapter that we wrote in the She Works This Way book that's you over me. Oh. And one of the things that we talk about, and since we've talked about this already, we'll finish it about how we live the gospel vertically. Like my mm -hmm. relationship with the Lord, I live that vertically by putting Jesus before everything in my life, but by putting God first, but then I live the gospel horizontally by putting you before you first. myself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And right. so just that picture of constantly, mm -hmm. okay, Jesus, God overall, mm -hmm. you before me. Yeah. Yeah. This has been fantastic. I could talk to you guys for a long, long time. I love, I love what you're pouring into this community. Thank you so much. I want to ask you, I asked this of all the guests before I let them go. Would you give us just a little peek into your life right now and let us know? I love to share resources. What are you studying, reading, listening to, watching? Anything goes that's helping you in this journey right now, helping you take delight in him and put him first. Summer, I'll go to you first. Do you have anything like that that you'd be willing to share? Goodness. Um, I'm trying to think right now. Okay. I can go to um, Michelle first. Save her. No, I was going to say I'm the resource junkie. Okay. So, all right. Uh, you so have a minute I'll, to think now, Summer. Yeah. I'll, I'll go first. Um, I just finished reading becoming Elizabeth Elliot by Ellen Vaughn. Okay. And so it is her biography is being, being written in two pieces and, I've been a long time gleaner of her works and yeah. I, I, I loved reading a lot of her stuff, but what reading her biography did that had a lot of her journal entries that have never been published and a lot of her letters that have never been published is it really humanized her yeah. and it allowed me to see her not just as a Christian hero who went back and witnessed to the people that murdered her husband, which is phenomenal, but also to see her flaws and her wrestling and her struggle. Like, I think it just allowed me to see the power of the Holy spirit at work in what she did yeah. more than I admire Elizabeth Elliot. I'm in awe of the Holy spirit inside of yeah. Elizabeth Elliot. I love that because I think sometimes we can take just the best of those kinds of people, right. Which is good mm -hmm. to look at, but we, then we sort of romanticize the journey and all people, I think who have come to a place where they could have that kind of witness have been able to, something has helped smooth some rough edges. They've learned to trust mm -hmm. at a different level. And that learning is all, always a process. So I love that you're exploring oh, yeah. that about her. Yeah. Well, and just transparently, she and I, I think have a lot of the same flaws and shortcomings and she journaled very transparently about them and to see how that grieved her mm. and the repentance that she showed. Yeah. Um, I think it kicked me in the pants a little bit. Yes. In the best way. Yes. In the best yeah. Way. In the yeah best I love way. that. I love that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. Summer, anything you okay. want to add? It's okay. All right. <laughs> I got something. Okay. So something that I'm doing right now is reading through the Bible really fast. 
Interesting. No one has ever told me that I should do that until my brother. He is also my pastor. He and my husband are pastors at the church I attend, right? Yikes. And um, I know, girl, I know I'm way too connected, but, um, but truly he just, he loves the story of the Bible and it's so good to study and go deep into certain areas. And there are seasons for that for sure. But to understand the full story shines a light in a different way on not only um, the actual elements of what is in scripture, but on God and Jesus's life, like Mm -hmm. seeing the whole picture of it is just crazy. So there's something called the dwell app and you can listen to Bible reading on it. Yep. Yep. Um, and you can like pick an accent. So you can listen to someone who has like an Australian accent. It's so cool. (laughs) So cool. (laughs) But you can read the Bible in 90 days and it it takes about an hour a day, but you can read the whole Bible in 90 days. And it has been very transformative in the way that I'm Mm -hmm. seeing scripture and it is really hard for me to not go, Oh my gosh, I just missed that whole thing right there and not go back to it, but I'm trying my best not to. I'm just trying to move forward and keep my eye on things. And it's interesting to see the way that it connects to something I read just a few days ago, but in the typical Bible study reading would have been months ago. Right. So it's just a beautiful thing. I would encourage you to do that. I love love that. that. Now I want to ask a follow-up question. Does it take you straight through or is it taking you in pieces? Like your, your hour, is it straight through? It's reading straight through. Straight through. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 And it's working. Yeah. That's awesome. I love that. Ladies, I love the work that you're doing. I love the encouragement that you are offering us. And I'm really, really grateful that you took this time out of your day to talk with me and to serve this community. Thank you so much and all the best with this project. I just want to mention again that you can find the book and all kinds of resources at sheworkshisway.com. I will link that in the show notes as as well as um, the social media handles, the YouTube channel, all that kind of good stuff you can find in today's show notes. So thank you again so much for being here with us today. Thanks for having us. us. And friend, thank you for listening. Until next time, peace. This discussion raised a question for me. Is what I'm sharing about Jesus attractive to others? Meaning, am I sharing that he calls me to work hard for him and get a lot of things done? Or am I sharing that his persistent, redemptive, relentless love for me changed me from a woman who walked in shame and defeat into a woman who imperfectly but passionately stands strong on him. Thank you again to Michelle and Summer for reminding all of us to use our work for God's glory and for the good of others. Matthew 6, again, this time from the Passion Translation. So above all, constantly seek God's kingdom and his righteousness. Then all these less important things will be given to you abundantly. I have a copy of Michelle and Summer's book to give away. New subscribers to my newsletter with U.S. addresses between May 25 and June 2 will be eligible to win. So visit the website livesteadyon.com and click the orange newsletter button on the homepage to sign up. I'd love to send you a copy of She Works His Way. Next week on the podcast, Sarah Broyhill Anderson will be my guest. She and I will be talking about teaching biblical truth to our children. Whether you are a parent or not, most of us are given the opportunity to speak into the life of a child, and Sarah will be here to give us some keys to growing our confidence and our ability to help them form a foundation of faith. Thank you so much for listening. I pray wherever your day takes you, 
you're walking in the confident knowledge that you are a beloved, cherished child of God. Peace.